0: Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and experience for you to learn from, and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. Check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working. Paul Teasdale, thank you very much for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Paul. Appreciate it.
0: Would you be so kind? Would you introduce yourself?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm Paul Teasdale and I help people perform. That's uh, that's my reason for being and my, my purpose in life. Um, I've had a, a varied career, everything from sausage making to uh, container shipping, international dairy export, banking, and six years with Formula One team McLaren. And uh, and from there, I've gone independent, and I now work for myself, helping others to perform.
0: That's my. I've got to ask, which is the most informative? Was it sausage making, or was it McLaren? Do you know, <laughs> there's something about sausages. Well, you you, ne- you never want to find out how sausages are made or laws are made, right?
1: I I to this day have no problems whatsoever eating sausages. Um, I would have to eat one. Well, I would eat them on a daily basis as part of our quality control processes. I have full trust in the whole process and and the people alongside it who who make them as well. So depending on which brand, et cetera. But yeah, a, it never put me off.
0: Fabulous man. I'm a steak man myself, but you know I, I like a good <laughs> sausage now, then. That's it. I Having having two small kids, they just my god. The number oh, of sausages yeah. these kids go through. When I put <laughs> it on a stick. Yeah. Okay. Dipping <laughs> it in all sorts of stuff. What point in this uh, varied and multitudinous career of yours did you first become a people manager?
1: Uh, from a people manager perspective, it was actually in the sausage making days. So. Um, That was my second role that I took. I I had a a role in an aerospace company that was repairing and overhauling aeroplane engine parts. Uh, It's my first ever job, but I moved into uh, Kerry Foods, who make the Walls and Richmond sausages, uh, as part of their graduate scheme and joined them making sausages in their plant in in Manchester and started off with a small team in what they call the meat prep team. And I grew from there. making all of the specialty sausages and things like that. And by the end of it, I had a team of about 60 odd people working for me across three shifts. And yeah, a lot of learnings in that space from a people management perspective.
0: So these were people actually making the sausages, putting, putting the ingredients together, sticking them in the skins?
1: Yep. So everything from the meat prep teams who would uh, actually get the meat out of the freezers or the fresh meat, depending on what it was, and mixing that and putting the recipes together all the way through to the teams who are on the line. And there's a lot of manual uh, putting of the sausages into the uh, the actual um, uh, packages and things like that at the time as well. So, yeah, big teams, lots of uh, hard, quick work, manual labor, um, but some fantastic people and some fantastic learnings with it. So
0: That's excellent. Wait, did you inherit that team, or was it one you had to hire in and build up?
1: Uh, I inherited it. Um, you know, I, I was on the um, the graduate scheme there, mm. and it was very much a case of like we'll, we'll, I had a, a sort of mentor and support from um, some more experienced managers. But my my role started off as a shift manager, so I had another shift manager who was a lot more experienced, who I, I got to learn from there um, all the way through to managing multiple shifts and things like that. So yeah,
0: one of the more Interesting, I'm not to say the sausages are not interesting, not <laughs> in the slightest, I'm a, no, don't, don't go there. Yeah. One of the more um, perhaps uh, chat-worthy uh, elements to your career there was the time you spent with McLaren. Yes. And that's all about performance. I mean, the, the Formula One is all about performance, and that's your gig as well, you know, helping people perform and all that. Yeah. How would you, what advice would you give to a, a new people leader? with respect to that role, with respect to your knowledge and the experience you've gained?
1: Yep. Uh, Experience very much plays a part in this, as in I've learned the hard way here. Um, Be humble, be honest uh, and be kind. Sort of three key things that um, may be reflecting back. I, uh, I had some opportunities to improve in those areas. Um, but the other practical tip I would give and I'd give a lot of this to um, to new managers in particular is look for frameworks and models and things, the, the reasons behind approaches working, um, because those are the things that you can fall back on in situations that you weren't quite expecting or you've gone into a, a new situation. If you've got a model or a way of working that helps you, um, it really is a, a crutch to help you through those uncertain times.
0: Do you have one or two in particular that you would follow on?
1: Uh, yep. Yeah. So a um, couple of key things. Um, I, I was working with a client the other day uh, on some ideation and uh, how do we generate a lot of ideas, but th- then get down to um, uh, you know what we're actually committing to doing going forward. And I'm I'm a very simple man. So it's you know, what we could do, what we think we should do and what we will do. So it's a going through, we're now in the process of all the things we could do. So it's no idea is a silly idea, lots of idea generation. The things we should do are where we start to prioritise those areas and actually whittle them down into, into some key areas. And the commitment area, of what we will do. What is it of those should, because there's lots of things we should do, but actually what is it we will do and are committing to doing? So that's a, one of the simple pieces that, that's, uh, that's seen me well over the years, and the other one, I guess, is the piece that I'm working on um, a lot of the moment is my own <laughs> model that I'm trying to help people with, which is called rapid performance. And that's taken a lot of the lessons from that world of Formula One in terms of the data-driven world that we live in these days. How do you get performance and data-led, data-supported performance where data is actually the very last thing on your list? And that's what the rapid performance framework is all about. So it's about results actions people insights and then finally data um because what we're finding is people are not only data rich at the moment they are um, came across a great term of infobesity people are info there's so so (laughs) much there's so so much coming at them you know that tidal wave trying to drink from the fire hose those sorts of things where there's too much out there to actually make sense and to actually drive that into performance So by taking this rapid approach, I help people to keep performance front of mind with those results, think about the actions that they can take that have an impact on those results, the people who are involved in making the decisions and enacting those actions, and what insights do those people need in order to make the best decisions. And it's only when you get down to that insights level and say, right, what's the minimal, smallest data set we can possibly have that will drive those insights for us? And that way you are focusing on the right data and also the smallest possible data. So it's a lot more manageable, a lot more digestible.
0: Okay, I like this. We're going to dig into this. Let's go back to this and do this again. All right. Now, number one, I love the ideation, generating practical ideas, could do, should do, would, will do. Yep. Prioritization bit is always the trickiest bit there, isn't it? Yeah. working out what to do first. Mm -hmm. Do you know what? That's one for another call, another conversation. Let's look at rapid. I like this. Results, actions, people, insights, and then eventually data. Because, yep. as you said, info beast, info beast, My goodness, <laughs> so much information out there. So many reports. Yeah. I mean, my background is in revenue as well. And we get
1: right.
0: drowning in information.
1: Yeah,
0: where do you start? Mm. What's the thing? So let's, do, let's take take us through this then. Results.
1: Yep. So results is all about really <laughs> defining and really being clear on what you're trying to achieve, but also how you want to achieve that. So it might be, use the F1 type examples, it's championship points for what you're after. That's the high level results that you're driving towards. But you also need to consider how you're going to achieve that as well. And what I mean by that is, what are some of the regulatory frameworks that you have to work within, but also what are some of the strategic priorities that you have as an organization? So McLaren had a very strong uh, sustainability focus. So it's like, how can we achieve those results in a way that is also in line with our strategic objectives which is you know being sustainable um and uh, doing everything in it is in as sustainable manner as possible and so you can actually start to break this down with a sort of results hierarchy um things like uh, st- uh, strategy mapping for instance is another sort of mechanism to help people to align the high level results they're, dri- uh, they're driving towards with the next level of results that impact on a sort of team or department level. And typically what I would help clients do is like, whatever you want to do, in whatever it means to you at that time is high performance. You know, you're after that high performance. It might be a successful project. It might be profit. It might be um, a sustainability focus that you're after. And that can generally be broken down into effectiveness. So am I getting the result that I want? And efficiency in terms of am i doing that in, in with the best use of the resources at hand
0: okay so you want you know where you're going yeah and you know what you want to achieve and how you want to get there actions then
1: so actions are starting to think about the levers at your disposal mm-hmm. what are those things that you can do so um you know, typically you know f1 <laughs> examples as well you know you're talking about everything from the design of the car that's a lever that you've got to push and pull. You can uh, all the way, and that's a longer term sort of decision. You can have strategy decisions in terms of what how you want to set up your chassis for the year, uh, how you want to um, set up your powertrain, those sorts of things that are, once you've made those decisions, it's difficult to change them a lot during the racing season. You can then have more design short to medium term sort of actions at your disposal where you can design new parts, test them out and see what's what. And then you've got operational actions, which are the things that tend to be more reactive. So when the plan doesn't go <laughs> quite as you wanted it to, um, what do I do now? Do I pit when the safety car comes out? When I go to pit, what tyres do I put on? So I'll have had a plan in the first place, but actually I've got to react to the moment, to the race you're in.
0: The momentary tactics,
1: exactly. So yeah. it's, uh, um, and so that you know, you might everything from if you start to apply that to organisations, that can be everything from your governance, your policies. These are actions that you have at your disposal that you can decide to make changes in those areas, all the way through to where do you prioritise your resource? You know, do do we take uh, if you've got a smaller team, for instance, do you take resource from one part of the team in order to prioritise somewhere else and support and and prop up another part of the team? Um, th- these are things that you can do. The the meetings that you run, the way in which you have interactions with people, your clients, etc. These are actions that have an effect on the result that you're trying to drive.
0: Okay, so then from results to actions, and then uh, from actions to people.
1: Yep. So this is truly understanding people. You know, people uh, make decisions in organisations. If they don't, it's automated. Um, but most organisations, most teams. People are the ones who are making decisions at the end of the day, and people are the ones who are enacting those decisions, and people are not uh, completely rational, and they're not completely predictable (laughs) in all sorts of ways. Um, So you've got to understand everything about how people make decisions, how teams work together, how they are managed, motivated, um, remunerated, all sorts of things that help drive the behaviours that actually lead to what could be the best actions or the best uh, decisions in play. Um, so th- this is about truly understanding the people who's involved. How do I get the right people involved? How do I get the right people in the right places? What capabilities do I need? How do I set up my team to be high-performing? How do they communicate with each other? All sorts of those areas.
0: That's the Stephen Covey, get the right people on the bus.
1: Precisely, yeah.
0: awesome okay. <laughs> so results, actions, people, insights.
1: Insights. Um, so... I am a man of simple definitions. Quite a lot of the time, so data for me is what it's the what of um, of what's happening. So it's the facts and figures, the raw things that, that are describing the situation. Information is where you bring a bit more richness to that data by giving it context. Um, um, so reports, for instance, classic bit of information. You're providing context of the of the data and maybe bringing it together and presenting it in a slightly different way. Whereas insights actually help people make decisions. So they support a decision in some way or other. Um, And where the world of formula one and the the modeling and analytics that they do is really uh, sort of cutting edge in this space is the predictive analytics part of insights. Can you predict what the outcome would be if you made a certain decision? So for instance, you might say, right, if I pitted now, am I likely to come out in heavy traffic or in clean air? It, you know, Am I going to come out ahead of a competitor or, or something like that? So that you can constantly run those models in that world and actually say, right, the insight is pit now and you'll come out into, um, into a, a bit of fresh air, but actually you might need to pit again because of the way that the tires are wearing compared to how we thought they might be. And so those models are spitting out those insights. In the world of, business it can be um you know much less advanced than that but it can be things like if i've got i work with a client that had a global um resourcing issue in terms of getting in um recruitment and selection was their challenge really it's getting people in but also where do i put my global resource to help where i've got those gaps so can you provide them with insights or the organisation with insights around not only where in terms of the volume of those um, uh, roles are but what are they in terms of the criticality of those roles and where do we see this uh, the severity of getting it wrong so you can start to bring different bits of information and maybe present it back in a way such as a map a visual aid that actually says actually the decision you're after is really about this uh, you know you need to put all of your effort initially into one region rather than another because of x, y and Z I've
0: always been cautious about uh, again because because of the revenue function so many reports out there you've got to mm. ask why do I have this? Yeah do I have this just because I need to have it or because you think you should have a report mm. am I going to use this to make a decision Is it going to inform a decision or not if it's not and it's just for pretty. By mm. ball. Yes, oh. precisely. Yeah. Okay. So that's insights. I love data being raw data and from um, numbers, statistics, info, the contextualization of the data, and then insights, the helping you make a decision. Data. Yep. I like that. Yep. That's really good. And then so lastly, then you move on to the the data piece.
1: Yep. So this is where it's like what what is the data that's actually required to drive the insights that your people need? Um and this is where you can uh, do things like strip out a load of reports, or at least put them to one side, or not put them in front of your managers. So data is pretty much free these days, you know. And a lot of software that's out there reporting is, you know, at the drop of a hat you can you can create a different report. And I've worked with a lot of clients where they get a new system in play. Or they're working with something like Tableau, or you know, something that's very flexible. And uh, the IT guys, say, well, fantastic! This is fantastic bit of software. It can generate any report you want. And managers and leaders are going, well, I don't know what I want. You know, I can if I can cut things in every possible way, I can't see the wood for the trees. I don't know where to go. Mm-hmm. So you're starting with the data and 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 put going that way. And if you start with the insight and say, I want to know this then your IT uh, data team can actually support that and add value in that process by saying, right, if that's the insight you need, we need to generate that by pulling these bits of data together and presenting it back to you in this format, this frequency, whatever that might be. But that should be, at least for the leader, the smallest possible data set, because otherwise you are exposing them to far too much, and it actually has a detrimental effect on the decisions you make.
0: It's also, then you start getting into the realms of modelling,
1: and Mm -hmm. as soon
0: as you start thinking about modelling stuff, well, it's just all wrong. (laughs) Yeah. All all models are wrong. Some models are useful, but all models are wrong.
1: Exactly. And quite often, I've worked with a few clients about um, you can have data that is 100% accurate and absolutely useless. Yeah. Uh, if your people don't trust it, oh. that you, you, it's more useful if it's eighty percent accurate and your people trust it because they will actually use it and they will use it in a way that is of value.
0: That's fascinating. Rapid performance yeah. from how, when are how to there is what? It's how, uh, how to build data driven performance. But you don't I mean I never like data driven. I prefer data informed.
1: Yeah. It is definitely data-informed, data-led, data, informed. data, data led again, is, is probably a bit, you know, it, it's about mm. putting data first, whereas this is about data being a servant to the results that you're trying to drive.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the problem of um, first things first. You know, first things first and you get lost everywhere. Yeah. You have to know where you're going before you get in the car.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Was there a particular mistake in your uh, varied that you learned a lot from? from.
1: Um, Probably one of the earliest ones, and it goes back to that point about being honest and being humble and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I worked into the meat prep team at the Sausage Factory, and I was still wet behind the ears from university days and my manufacturing methodology, my textbook work said, right, I can make these guys more productive by changing their brake system. So I'm just going to watch them, not say a word, didn't in- involve them, didn't uh, tell them what I was doing. I just stood there with a clipboard and watched them and saw how they did their breaks. And then I got them in a room later on and said, right, great news. We can get performance up. It's just you've got to change your break to here and you've got to change your break to there. Um, and you, know, you guys go break together and
0: Ooh,
1: that did not go down well i imagine yeah so it's about you know and in the the conversation and at the at the end of that conversation i, I at least felt i was humble enough to go sorry guys i've yeah I, I was trying to do a good thing i've done this all all wrong let's let's start again let's work work together oh bless and and, they, <laughs> and, and then took some insights from those guys in terms of what is it that you know where do you see the, the opportunities where do you see the uh the issues that need resolving and sure enough all the answers were there and just needed to be aired and supported and uh, and for me taking what little leadership role <laughs> I could at the time actually influencing some some changes that help get them the right tools in place get the right um, processes in place with other departments to, uh, to help them perform at their best
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the good questions is where are the most promising unexploited opportunities for growth mm. Yeah, you know, and the people who do the job they always know Always. Well, we're doing it like this, but that doesn't make any sense because mm. well, okay. Yeah,
1: and they they can't a lot of most of the time they can articulate it perfectly. Mm. A lot of the time they don't, in terms of they don't ne- not necessarily talking about a solution or that we need to do this to resolve it. But your job as a leader is to listen to the struggles that people are having and the challenges that they have. Just even those things like, you know, when I get a plan delivered from previous department or tells me what i'm doing for the day it's in a format that i can't read properly or doesn't match up with what i need to do in the next steps in my process Mm. um and so if you can listen to what are those challenges where are people putting extra effort particularly in things like translating data and information and insights you know if they have to put mental effort into translating that into something else that's a prime opportunity for you as a leader to go right i'm going to make sure you get that data that information those insights in a manner that supports your performance
0: yeah excellent excellent what are you working on at present Developing uh, the Rapid Performance Framework, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, so the Rapid Performance Framework, um, I've got that as an online course. So that's uh, that, that's out and available. Link uh, will be in the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, fantastic. And um, uh, I also do um, workshops and talks and things on that particular topic mm-hmm. um, in uh, for clients. Everything from sort of half-hour inspirations, learnings from F1-type talks, through to um, multiple modules, breaking down that rapid performance and helping people work through it and going through uh, some coaching and development with people on that, as well as various other lessons uh, from the world of F1, which, you know, about how you know, how do you become a, a better leader in, in the world of F1? How do you use uh, data to drive culture? All sorts of, of different lessons that I've taken for working in that high performance environment that I think can be really applicable to uh, to modern day business
0: is there something in particular you would like to thank the young paul for having done
1: um taking up some new opportunities i think th- those there were a few left field opportunities that came my way um a prime example um i was after the sausage making days i, I was in consultancy for a number of years um and decided that we could make a move myself and the wife um and moving out of london as well because we've uh, we've been there for a while and we, we said you know, manchester oxford where do we go to you know there's different places we can go around the country and we um we went to new zealand and went to auckland and took a chance on you know some opportunities that sort of came our way and didn't have a clue what we were doing said right let's give it a go we'll give it two years maximum then we'll come back and it was five years later with a, a little kiwi boy in tow that we uh we came back and i joined mclaren so yeah take those opportunities uh take those big leaps um and say yes more yeah and that's a lot of the things i thank my younger self for are saying yes to some of the opportunities that came my way
0: excellent and then lastly your coordinates how can people find you paul
1: um so linkedin so I'm um, i'm um, doing more on LinkedIn these days than, than I ever had. Um, I've got my website, which is paulteasdale.co.uk, where you'll find both the in, info on the Rapid uh, framework as well as links to my podcast as well. So I do a podcast on helping people perform. Um, and so, yeah, listen to some of my insights, but my conversations with others on that theme as well. So, yeah. But don't be afraid to reach out.
0: Paul Teasdale? Thank you very much indeed for joining me.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Paul.
0: That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework is to leave your five-star review. And please, any comments you have, you really help me to improve every day. And it also helps people to discover me online. You should check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working.